0: We've been going after things that Jesus has said, who he is, what he's about, what we need to do about life, all these things. We're going to pack a bunch more of that until, you know, well, forever. <laughs> we're going to keep talking about Jesus. But this year, we're going to really, really focus in, like I said before, on who Jesus is and what he says and what he's done. And so we've been talking about anger, which I've got some feedback recently. Like, hey. Hey. You're definitely telling us, you know, don't be angry. You're telling us what Jesus has said. You're telling us about the roots of it. I don't necessarily feel like we've got these steps that we're supposed to take. (laughs) I get it. I actually do. I don't want to just be that guy that says, hey, stop. Don't do that. You know, the guy that goes into the doctor. Oh, my arm hurts when I do this. The doctor says, don't do that. (laughs) But I mean, we want to know why it hurts, right? And sometimes it hurts for reasons we don't know. Sometimes things are wrong in your life because, well, there's just a broken world. But sometimes it's very specific. It's things that have been done to you or things that you're doing. And so, you know, things happen for a reason. Yeah. Sometimes your thumb hurts because you keep hitting it with a hammer. (laughs) And sometimes I don't know why it hurts. It's just kind of weird. And so we've been talking about anger, and I'm going to try to give you some things today to get after it. And we're going to go quickly. We talked last week about one of the roots of anger being pride, like embarrassment, disappointment. I wouldn't do it that way. Don't you dare talk to me like that. Do you know who I am? All the different things that get us mad, right? And And it really can come from this idea that we think we're more important than we are, more valuable than we are, or we're getting treated poorly. And I love boundaries. I do, I really do. I'm not perfect at them. I'm not even sometimes good at them. But I don't think that anybody should tell me I'm this or that if I'm not. But if my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, okay? If my name is engraved on the palm of Jesus, what you think about me, what others think about me, what they say about me, really isn't the final word. And so pride is a thief of joy. And pride is a feed, a fuel, a grower of anger. And so we need humility. So here's a step. Humble yourself. Admit that Jesus is God and you're not. Admit that all this stuff that's going on around us is temporary, though it's intense. And come to the Lord. Follow him. Take him at his word, which we've been talking about for the life of Crosswater, but especially looking at what Jesus said all the way through this year. And so today we're going to talk about one more root, and then next week will be the final root that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about hidden anger. (laughs) That ought to be fun. (laughs) Like, wait a minute, I'm just critical. That's not anger, is it? Well, oxygen feeds fire, (laughs) and anger criticism, cynicism, and all those different things. So to that end, uh, I'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But right here, right now, we're going to talk about fear and anger. Would you join me in John 11, 38 through 52? We're revisiting an account, an eyewitness account, by the way, of when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, was dead for four days. Jesus shows up four days late. They're like, if you were here, you would have saved him. But now I know you can do anything, and Jesus is like, do you believe? Look, I'm the way, the truth, and life is what he says in John 14. But in John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and life. You won't just see your brother someday. You're going to see him today. And there is fear and anger and pride in the midst of this whole story. But we're going to pick it up in verse 38, where Jesus is deeply moved again. Now, he had cried already, but like, here we go. He's moved, and he comes to the tomb, verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, because he's a human, and he's God, and he cares, he came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. We just had Resurrection Sunday, or Easter, as some of us call it, and we have that picture there, too. There's a stone that would cover the entrance, and so Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord. But this time, there'll be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Look, I I don't always just find the easy little things to pick out. Sometimes right in the middle of talking to you, the Lord will put things on my heart. But this one has been on my mind for a long time. She wanted to see her brother again and knew that Jesus could have made things better. But she's got a limit on how good God is. She's like, yeah, But now he's going to stink. Do you want to see this miracle or don't you? We're like that, right? We say to God, and this is part of pride, I want you to do this right here. This will show me how awesome you are. And he's like, oh, I'm so much more awesome than that. I'm not just going to be putting that little box. TNT (laughs) to the box. Because watch what happens. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Friend, where you placing your trust is a great question right now. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said to the father, his daddy, God, Yahweh, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And we talked a bunch about this, but I'm just thinking he's in paradise, right? Ah, this is gorgeous. It's amazing. Everything's perfect. Did you hear something? <laughs> Moses is the next to him. Oh, I didn't. all right, I did. It's Jesus. He's calling you. Time to go, Lazarus. And he's like, what? I just got here. So he, don't make me go. So he says, Come out. And the man who died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips. This was the first time I was rereading this today. First time I thought about this. Everything's bound up. He's kind of like a mummy. I just always thought he walked out. His feet were bound. You know what got my attention this morning? Okay, what next? Here's what's next. The man who came out, his hands and feet were bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. You get to be a part of this whole process here. What a great word for us. Now you fast forward, right, because that's powerful, and lots and lots of people are believing in Jesus because of this miracle. We're going to go to John 12, just a little bit further down in this whole account, in verses 9 through 12. 9 through 11, actually, sorry. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also on account of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Look, I think I have time. I'm not going to fast forward. I'm going to go back, if you guys are okay with it. I'm going to go back really quick to verse 45 of John 11. Thank you for being with me here, Paige. John 11:45. 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with, Je- with Mary, Jerry, and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them <laughs> what Jesus had done. They were snitching. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What's going on with these guys right here? What are they scared of? Losing their place. Okay, now, losing their place, losing their power. Look, there's some pride going on here. There's fear. They're afraid that Jesus is better than them. They're afraid that Jesus is going to get the attention that they're getting. Here's the worst thing. They're missing that he is the big thing. They're afraid not only is their place, their position of authority going to be taken, but they're afraid that the temple is going to be taken. Jesus had already said that the temple wasn't the big deal. He's the big deal. They didn't hear that because they're focused in their religious tradition and their religious authority on what exactly they think is right, and they won't take anything else for an answer. They won't take Jesus for an answer. So they're afraid. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, (laughs) you know nothing at all. Super humble. (laughs) That's sarcasm. He wasn't being humble at all. You don't know anything, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this on his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Out of his own mouth, earlier, he says this is going to happen, and he doesn't even know what he's saying. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. And I don't have verse 53 up there for you, but I'm going to read this. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Their fear led them to anger, and it led them to action. They were afraid, like we said, of their place, literally their place getting taken, and then their place of the temple, and their nation not being all there could be, because Jesus is going to cause some serious problems, because he doesn't do it like we do it. He's not who he says he is. He's not who his little uninformed believers think he is. And we need to stop him. So they wanted to kill him. And now we'll go to John 12, 9 through 11, just really quick. When the large crowd of Jews, a ton of them were there, learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the priests, the chief priests, made plans to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going to go away and believe in Jesus. You guys, I'm going to tell you right now, and we're going to fast forward a little bit of this. These guys were afraid of Jesus, and they were afraid of any of the stuff that he was doing because they were no longer the big deal. Yes, that's pride, but it's fear. We get afraid of a lot of things. We're afraid that we're going to have to say no to ourselves. We're afraid people are going to judge us. We're afraid of all kinds of consequences of following Jesus. Like he calls us to do things. There's a way it says in Proverbs that looks right to us, but in the end it leads to death. But it looks pretty good to us, so we go ahead and go with it. Because it's easier. Because it's comfortable. Because we're afraid to do what God says. Because I may not be able to be in charge. And they didn't want anybody to be in charge but them. So this leads me to a different proverb. If you'll join me there, you can. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five: The fear of man lays a snare. That's a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Look, I don't have time to unpack all this, but I'll ask you to consider a few people. Was there any fear in Adam and Eve when they sinned? Yeah. What were they afraid of? Being punished for doing the wrong thing? thing. What else? They thought God was holding out on them. They were afraid that God wasn't as good. As they thought he was, and what were you saying, Ange? They were afraid of that. They're afraid that their sin was going to be exposed and their bodies, right? And yet, all of that, lots more, you guys. But it led them to not trusting God. And I don't know how angry they were, if they're angry at all. I'm just saying, fear can lead you to a bunch of bad stuff. Go to Cain and Abel. Go to Abraham. Go to Isaac. Just go through the list. People were afraid, and that led them to make some really poor choices. And anger is definitely one of those things. See, if I'm going to be able to get over my fear, I'm going to have to be strong. And if I'm going to be strong, I'm going to have to be loud. I'm going to have to be forceful. I'm going to have to be in charge. And that's a mess. It leads us to a trap. But if you trust in the Lord, you will be safe eventually, ultimately. I would say immediately you can have a peace that passes all understanding because you know that God is taking care of things. Look, G.K. Chesterton, amazing author, theologian, all of that. He says this, and and I love this, and I had not seen this quote before. We fear men so much because we fear God so little one fear fear cures the other we fear people instead of God and that's a trap we need to swap that out and we did a huge series on that and you can go back and look at swapping out those fears one of the things that I found as I was listening to the Bible as I was falling asleep you ever do that? friend of mine, when I was working at, uh, uh, gosh, where was I? Red Robin. I used to say, hey, do you ever fall asleep while you're praying? Because that's the only way I can do that. And I wasn't following the Lord, but I should have understood something at that point. The only time I really was able to fall asleep is if I started to pray. I was far from God, but he was the only one who could give me peace. (laughs) Uh, I'll see you later. And by God's grace, I was able to. But I asked her, and she goes, oh, no, I would never be that rude to the Lord. I felt really convicted in my spirit. But here's what's up. I don't think you and I need to be petrified of God. We need to actually put him ahead of other people. And as I was listening to the Bible, and as I was falling asleep, I had this dream about a passage That I was actually listening to. (laughs) And it's John 12. And I'm going to read it for you. It's 42 and 43. Nevertheless. Many. Even of the authorities. Believed in Jesus. But for fear of the Pharisees. They did not confess it. So that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man. More than the glory that comes from God. He goes, what do we do about this? How do we swap these fears? What is it about people that's so much more important to us than even God? Because these guys believed in the Lord and yet they wouldn't confess him because they were afraid they would get kicked out of church. And there, if you were kicked out of the synagogue, people wouldn't hire you. They would kick you to the curb. And so... Jesus has something so significant to say to us. I want to ask you to consider it. Find it right here with me, what Jesus said in Luke 12, 4 through 7. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that, have nothing more they can do. For us, we just hear about it daily almost, it seems, that people are getting killed. Truly, daily, many people die. We're very afraid of that. And we're afraid of people who can condemn us, people who can put us in prison, people who can kill us. Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. The rest of G.K. Chesterton's quote I don't have on the screen, I'll read it for you. When man's terror scares you, turn your thoughts to God's wrath. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten by God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You're of more value than many sparrows. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Seriously, though. He's like, look, I, I got it all figured out. What are you afraid of? I've got you. I've got plans for you. If you're outside of me, my wrath will separate you forever. Don't let that happen. Come to me. Humble yourself. Get rid of your pride. Get rid of your fear trust me friends we need to prioritize our fear we need to put god ahead of everything else and everybody else jesus continues in luke 12 and i tell you everyone who acknowledges me before man the son of man the messiah him also will acknowledge before the angels of god look You acknowledge me, I acknowledge you. It's not a scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know that I'm the Savior, you're my people. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. If you say no about Jesus and his teaching, you can still be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Friends, so many years I have wondered in my life, what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Fortunately, for a lot of years, I've had a pretty solid answer. It means to ignore him. It means to put him off. Look, there was people all around that were like, nope, we're not going to believe in Jesus. Even his brothers didn't believe in him. And yet, when he died and rose from the dead and then gave his Holy Spirit to his believers... His brothers believed. They didn't turn away from the Holy Spirit the conviction of their hearts anymore. Hey, if you're such a big deal, they told him before he died, go up, show yourself off. They didn't believe him. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they were convicted of their sin, they were convicted of mocking him, and so they didn't turn away anymore. They recognized that Jesus wasn't just their brother, half-brother, he's the Lord. But there was others who saw all this, and they're like, nope, nope, nope. There's all these people doing all these miracles in Jesus' name, and they were so afraid of losing their position of king of their own lives, they're like, "Uh uh-uh. And they ignored the Holy Spirit. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and you will not be saved if you don't confess Jesus as Lord. If you don't ask him for forgiveness, seek his kingdom first, his righteousness means that you recognize that he's the king. And you only can do that by the Holy Spirit convicting you and leading you. It's him that initiates it. You saying no, you will be separated. You'll get what you want, friend. And that's you being in charge. And that's a bad place to be. And finally, he says this in 11 and 12. It's really encouraging, actually. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious. Another way to say, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. (laughs) You guys, just a couple of things, and we'll get rolling. First one acknowledge jesus lean on him recognize him it's good news i mean look i don't want to muddy the gospel it isn't do a bunch of good things and jesus says oh carol good job i got you because you do so many great things acknowledging jesus is like there is a god and i'm not him and so i acknowledge that you are him I lean on you. I give myself to you. I have a bunch of stuff, that I don't know how it's going to work out. But you do know how it's going to work out. So I come to you. I acknowledge you. I confess with my mouth that you are the Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. So acknowledge Jesus. First step. Recognize. Confess. Lean on Jesus. Your only living hope. The next thing. Trust his Holy Spirit. Trust him. He's going to lead you. He's going to convict you where you need conviction. He's going to lead you where you need leading. He's going to comfort you where you need comfort. He's going to counsel you where you need counsel. He's going to give you the words to say when you're in a spot. Well, I'm really afraid. I don't want to alienate this girl because she's a potential wife. I don't want to alienate this guy because he's a potential husband. I don't want to alienate these kids because I want to be invited to their wedding. I don't want to alienate anybody by saying I follow Jesus, so I'll just keep it to myself. Trust the Holy Spirit. He's given you words. You might actually be the one that leads them. My friend told me this morning in the parking lot, Aaron, you're making a difference. I'm a human. I need to hear that. The people around you need to hear it. The people in your life need to hear about Jesus. The good news is always good. It just doesn't sound like it sometimes, so maybe keep saying it. How do we move towards Jesus today with all of what we've heard? In the kind of quick Aaron Day type of message, first of all, humble yourself. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Some of you haven't done that yet. Some of you have been fighting it. Some of you did it when you were little, but it really didn't mean anything because you did it so you could get cookies. <laughs> and maybe you did it a little bit later because you wanted to have friends. Or maybe you did it a little bit later because you wanted to have a spouse. Maybe you did it a little bit later because you didn't want your kids to go to hell in the handbasket. you're sitting here today and you're like, look, I haven't actually given my life to the Lord because I keep taking the crown and putting it on my head. Because I'm afraid of him leading because he might lead me to a spot. I don't want to go. Your comfort zone will be blown up. God is good like that. He won't let you lean on the wrong spot. But if you keep trying over and over again, he'll let you. But today, could be the day where you believe, and you repent, and you follow him. For some of you, you've already done that, but you have gotten a little bit off, and you're into the anger, and the fear, and the pride, and the the doubts, and the worries, and the frustrations, and the pride of you being better at being God than he is. So, here we go. You need to obey him. Simply put, it might look like forgiveness, repentance. That means turning from your sin, Not just confessing it, but turning from it. It might look like getting baptized today. God is calling you to something. Listen to him. No more lying. No more cheating. No more compromising. Trust that God has your best interest in mind, even if it will cost you something. Finally, exchange your fears. Exchange your fear of a lack of money. Your fear of relationships being broken. Your fear of your comfort zone being removed from you. Acceptance of others instead of honoring God. Today, honor God. Acknowledge him. Profess him to the people in your life that don't like Jesus. Be strong and courageous and let it be contagious. Do not keep it to yourself, friends. You know who you are? There's so many other steps. The Holy Spirit is talking to you, so I'm going to trust that he's saying something. We have questions we'd love for you to go through. It's going to be a live it out video where I'm going to tell you a couple other steps that can be really helpful. But at the end of all of this, pride and fear feed anger, and we push God away and others away that would tell us something that gets us outside of our comfort zone, gets us outside of being in charge. Dear friend, There is a God, and you're not him. Now follow him. Jesus, I love you, and thank you for my friends and my family. I lift them up to you, and I pray for an amazing day of believing you and trusting you and following you and sharing you and all the other things, Lord, that only you can bring, like a peace that passes understanding, a hope in the midst of hopeless times. God, I just love that Pastor John said that we're just not the king. God, would we confess that and believe that and follow you as the only true king? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.